What is the mystery of God? I tend to believe the mystery of God is walking by faith. When is that mystery going to be revealed? When our faith turns to sight. Is there referred to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when the perfect comes? Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast of Calvary Chapel Echo Park here in Los Angeles, California. We are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our Lord and do His will. You can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopart.com. Join us for our live stream on Sunday in the New Testament and Wednesday evenings in the Old Testament. Now let's get into the Word of God in our weekly podcast. The teaching is from Pastor David Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation. Okay, so right here, the title, A Mighty Angel and a Little Book. So I've given you kind of a, a little bit of a hint who I think this mighty angel is. It is a mighty angel. Now I want to read verse 1 to you and then talk about this, how this description, many would see, I would say many, but some would, uh, would see this as a, a reference to Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about why I believe, and I believe very strongly that it's not Jesus, it is actually an angel. Okay, so verse 1, chapter 10 says this. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Now, why do you think people would say, and, and some good commentators would say this, they believe that this is a reference to Jesus. Why do you think people would say that? Well, they would say that because the description is very closely linked or alike, or like Jesus' description in Revelation chapter 1. Remember Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. We're not going to actually go to Revelation 1, but you can read that again in your own time. But Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, remember we haven't referred to this for a while because we're, we've been in the latter part of uh, Revelation for a while, the things that take place after this. But remember the Revelation roadmap. Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, remember uh, the Lord tells John to write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Now we've been in the things that take place after this for a while. And that began in Revelation chapter 4. After what? After the time of the church. Right? So remember we noted between chapters 3 and 4 the rapture of the church occurred and so we see the church in heaven. And then we see the scroll that's introduced. And so we've been looking at this scroll with the seven seals. The seven seals are loose. We're now in the seventh seal. And in that seventh seal are seven trumpets of judgment. We've covered the first six trumpets of judgment. And now we're right at the seventh trumpet. So that's why we haven't referred to this so often. Because we've been in the things which will take place after this for a while. But that Revelation roadmap, Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, it began like this. It says, write the things which you have seen. He's speaking to John. So what did John see? Revelation chapter 1, the unveiled Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember we looked at that word, revelation. It's the word apocalypsis, the apocalypse, the unveiled Jesus, right, in all his glory. Now, when you read that description, it sounds a lot like Revelation 10 verse 1. Let me read that again, Revelation 10 verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. We saw that in Revelation 1. His face was like the sun. We saw that description in Revelation 1. And his feet like pillars of fire or fiery bronze. We read in Revelation 1. So many look at this and say, you know, this really sounds like that revelation revealed in Revelation chapter 1, which was Jesus, okay? And so that's why many would say that. So let's read through this together. 
the bulletin summary. Revelation 10, the first paragraph says, Revelation 10 introduces yet another angel and one with a description like our Lord's, as I mentioned in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. However, the text clearly says another mighty angel. Now that's the first reason, right? It says, hey, verse 1, chapter 10, I saw still another mighty angel. It says an angel. Okay, but what that can trip us up too is that in the Old Testament, I don't know if you know this, in the Old Testament, we believe that Jesus appears in the Old Testament many times as a Christophany. You ever heard that term before? A Christophany. It's a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. But he's referred to as the angel of the Lord. Okay, so that's where some, these ones that believe that this could be Jesus, is oftentimes in Scripture, right? Jesus is referred to as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. Okay, so what is a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ? Let me give you some examples. I think, um, just off the top of my head, but there's several of them, right? I was thinking about that time when... Um, Remember when, um, uh, when Jacob, when he wrestles with God? I'm going to give you this out of chronological order. But remember when Jacob wrestles with God, and it says there that, um, that they touched his hip, he touched, the Lord touched his hip? Well, that's a Christophany. We believe that that was actually Jesus. Because he said, I wrestled with God, right? I saw his face, and I've lived. Remember when Jacob was fleeing from Uncle Laban there? And then Esau's coming from the front. Well, that, that's when that happened. That's a Christophany. I think in the book of Joshua, remember when they were to go into the land there? Remember Joshua, the night before they were to go in and take Jericho? Right, he's there and he's praying, right? He meets, right? He meets, I believe, the Lord Jesus, a Christophany. Remember he says, are you for us or against us? And he says, hey, take off your sandals, right? You're, you're standing on holy ground. That, we believe, is Jesus a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, a Christophany. But it's referred to oftentimes as the angel of the Lord. I think about that time, remember when um, Abraham meets Melchizedek after he rescues Lot. Remember that? As he rescues Lot, we have this man Melchizedek comes and Abraham pays ties to Melchizedek. Many believe that that appearance of Melchizedek is actually Jesus. And you know, the writer of the Hebrews kind of has a commentary on that. Melchizedek, after the order of Melchizedek, he's speaking of Jesus, right? And so we believe that that is a Christophany, an appearance of God. Then also, I think another one is, remember when the three, and they refer to him as angels, the three angels came and they appeared to Abraham before they were going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? And we have that bartering with Abraham because his nephew Lot and his family is in Sodom and Gomorrah. They want to judge it. And so remember... Two of the angels go down to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, but then one stays and starts to talk with Abraham. We believe that that third angel is a Christophany, it's Jesus, the angel of the Lord. And we believe that as he begins to barter with him, right? Remember he says, are you going to destroy all of Sodom and Gomorrah if we find 50 righteous, 40 righteous? And he goes all the way down to 10, he's not even 10 righteous, but he removes Lot and his family out. We believe that that's a Christophany as well, that that's Jesus that Abraham is talking to. Okay, so there's all these scriptural references as Jesus being referred to as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. So that's why some commentators believe that when it says, I saw still another angel in chapter 10, verse 1, that could be Jesus. Okay, well, let's read through our bulletin summary here, okay, and see some observa observations of why we think it's, it's not Jesus and just an angel, okay? 
It says here, firstly, the word another in the original language means another of the same kind, which contextually connects this angel to one's sounding the trumpets. And I pulled this straight from Dr. Walvert's commentary as he goes into the original language of the Greek. When it says another, it means another of the same kind. And so the context from last week is these seven trumpets, right? Six trumpets are blown by the six angels. And so this mighty angel, right, it says, I saw still another, another of the same kind. So the context would demand with the original language here, right, that basically this would be an angel of the same kind, not, not Jesus. Okay, so that's the first observation we make. Secondly, this is a quote by John MacArthur, and this refers to the whole thing about an angel of the Lord in the Old Testament at Christophany. He notes this. I think this is important, too. He says, while the pre-incarnate Christ appeared, in the Old Testament, as we say, as Christophany, as the angel of the Lord, the New Testament nowhere refers to Jesus as an angel. I want you to note that. Nowhere. It's an Old Testament reference, right? Because the Old Testament, Jesus hasn't come yet in the flesh. Even though we know Jesus fully God, always existed. So he appears in the Old Testament as a Christophany, as the angel of the Lord. But when the New Testament comes... He comes in the flesh, right? So there's no reference ever in the New Testament where Jesus comes as an angel, okay? Nowhere ever as the angel of the Lord. It's always Jesus. He's fully God, fully man, okay? That's a very important thing to know. And John MacArthur notes that. Let me read that again. While the pre-incarnate Christ appeared in the Old Testament as a Christophany, as the angel of the Lord, the New Testament nowhere refers to him as an angel, okay? So I believe when it says an angel, it means an angel. It's in the New Testament, not Jesus. Thirdly, it is highly unlikely that Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, would make an oath like the one in verses 5 and 6. Now this, I think, in the context of this passage, is very, very, um, is very bulletproof here. Let's read verses 5 and 6, okay? It says, The angel whom I saw standing on the sea... And on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore to him, or swore by him, who lives forever and ever. Okay, so this angel was Jesus. Why is he swearing by himself? He swore by him. Okay, so we know that this is probably an angel swearing by Jesus. Okay? All right, so that's another reason. And then let's keep on going here. Notice it says, and finally, if this angel were Jesus, then he would be coming to earth three times. Think about it, right? came the first time, born of a virgin. This would be the second time his foot goes on land and on the sea, and then he's going to come a third time in Revelation 19? I don't think so, right? All the scriptures speaks, all the prophets speak of two comings, not three comings. And so, this is another observation, right? If this is Jesus, he'd come to this earth, foot goes on the, on the land and on the sea. Okay, so these are four, I think, good reasons, observations, scripturally speaking, that this is not an angel. I mean, this is not Jesus. It is an angel, but his appearance is similar to that of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Now, why am I going at so great lengths to kind of show this to you? Because if this is an angel, which I believe it is, this then begins the second parenthetical in Revelation. All right? And this is where I want to talk about parentheticals again. But if this is Jesus, this wouldn't start the second parenthetical. Okay? What's a parenthetical? A parenthetical introduces us to different personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. 
And so we know that Jesus doesn't qualify. He's God, right? And so these different persons, remember the first one we saw in Revelation 7 was the 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe of Israel, and the martyred tribulation saints, right? This second parenthetical, if this angel is Jesus, doesn't start here. It starts with the two witnesses. But I believe this is an angel, as we mentioned, all these different reasons. Therefore, the parenthetical starts here. Now, this is what I want to use now to talk about parentheticals again and take a little bit of a step back. As I mentioned, parentheticals are parentheses within the chronology of the judgments in, uh, in uh, Revelation, which happened during the tribulation. Now, how do the judgments unfold? Well, we see, right, there's a scroll that's introduced in Revelation 5. That scroll, we don't know for sure, but I believe it's a title deed to the earth, but what's keeping that scroll closed are seven seals. And those seven seals are seven judgment. So we've seen the seventh seal opened already. We're already past that, right? But within that seventh seal, there's seven trumpets of judgment. That's what we've been studying the past few weeks. Seven trumpets of judgment. Last week, we studied the sixth trumpet judgment. Remember, a third of mankind taken out. Imagine that, two billion people. Remember we noted that? Right? The four angels from the four corners, from these, uh, at the corners of, at, that are bound, excuse me, at the river Euphrates, they're released. And they released... And they let go of a 200 million demonic army. Remember we noted that? The sixth seal? I mean the sixth trumpet? But prior to that was the fifth trumpet, right? The first wall. Well, the seventh trumpet we haven't come to. We have this parenthetical now, which is the seventh wall. Now, the way it's put together, right, is that we have seven seals of judgment, seven trumpets of judgment within that seventh seal, and then seven bowls of judgment within that seventh trumpet judgment. That takes us to the return of Christ. Right? So that's the chronology there. But i got to tell you, right? we're now at the seven trumpet judgment. We're only in chapter 10. When does Jesus return? Chapter 19. Got a lot, of, a lot of real estate to cover, right? What happens in all that real estate of chapters there? All these parentheticals, several of them, long ones. Right? And so these parentheticals are going to give us insight to different people, different personages that come on the scene during the tribulation. And so we see this mighty angel is one of them. And then we also are going to see next week when we cover chapter 11, the first 14 verses, that the two witnesses that stand before the temple is a second person that's going to appear during this second, second parenthetical. All right? Uh, it's going to be described during this second parenthetical. But I want to take kind of a step back and kind of give you how this uh, um, unfolds. Okay? So... These are the parentheticals, right, that introduce us to all these different people that come on the scene in the tribulation. So I'm going to kind of read a list for you of these. You can take notes, but this is going to kind of give you a macroscopic view of Revelation, how it unfolds, right? The, the uh, judgments take us to the return of Christ. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, right? And the parentheticals describe what happens during the tribulation through these personages, okay? And so, let me just kind of mark this to you, okay? So as I mentioned, chapter 10 begins the second parenthetical. We just read about the mighty angel with the little scroll. Now we're going to talk about who the mighty angel is and what is on this little scroll in a little bit, right? In the rest of our time here. But I want to kind of take a step back and give you kind of this macroscopic, telescopic view of the tribulation period, okay? So, as I mentioned... The conclusion of the second parenthetical, we're going to study next week, we're going to see insight 
to these two witnesses that stand before the temple. How many know who the two witnesses are? We'll talk about that, okay, next week. But then after that, after the two witnesses are described for us, then we see reference to the seventh trumpet. Okay, so we covered the sixth trumpet last week. We have this parenthetical, which begins in chapter 10. It finishes up in chapter 11, verse 14. And then in chapter 11, verse 15, we see a reference to the seventh trumpet judgment again. So we have a parenthetical between the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgment. Now, why do I draw that to your attention? Well, remember between the sixth and seventh seal, there was a parenthetical. It's the same happening with the sixth and seventh trumpet. And so, remember we saw the first six seals, right? They, be, they were described to us in Revelation chapter 6. And then in Revelation chapter 7, we had the parenthetical of the 144,000 of Israel and the martyred saints, the tribulation saints, right? And then in Revelation 8, we saw the seventh seal. Now, what began in Revelation 8 in terms of the description of the seventh seal? There was a pause, right? Silence in heaven for what? 30 minutes. Remember that? Remember that awe-struck, deafening silence of 30 minutes? And it's almost as if we loaded this, that it's almost as if God was saying, you know, you have time to repent. But the seventh seal is going to be loose. It's going to be a doozy. Now, we know what's in the seventh seal, right? We studied the first six trumpets, and we're studying now the seventh trumpet, which we'll look at in a little bit, uh, maybe next week. But we have this parenthetical we're looking at now. But it's the same thing with the seven trumpet judgment. Between the six and seven, there's now a pause. Another parenthetical. And we're going to see that when we get to Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19, it's just a reference to the seven trumpet. The seven trumpet is not actually blown until Revelation chapter 15. Okay, so we have this great pause between the 6th and 7th trumpet judgment, just as we had a great pause between the 6th and 7th seal. Now, why do you think that is? Well, we don't know for sure, but with a pause, it gives people time, right? Time to what? To repent. Could this be an act of God's mercy? We know that not too many are going to repent at this point, but nonetheless, God's desire is for them to repent. Remember, we noted this at... God's strange work is judgment. What's his common work? It's repentance, right? Grace and mercy leading to repentance. But we see this same pause here. Now, I want to note to you, okay, when we finish the second parenthetical next week, when we get to chapter 11, verse 14, we see a reference to the seventh trumpet judgment in chapter 11, verse 15. I want to read this to you. Again, I'm giving you the telescopic view. So let's pick up our text Chapter 11, verse 15. And the reason I want to read you this is I want you to note the, um, the end at the seventh trumpet. We're right there at the end, Jesus' return. Okay? Now, so, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. This is after the second parenthetical it finishes. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. This is the seventh trumpet. So notice the verbiage here. It's taking us to the end, right before Jesus returns. All right, so the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
Sounds like he's going to come pretty soon, right? We're right at the end. Keep reading. Verse 16. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. So he's giving us the time of the end, and it's right at hand. He says the time of the end, right, the time of the dead that they should be judged. And we know that's going to happen. Before Jesus comes again, there's going to be judgment to purge this earth from sin. So he's taking us right to the end. Now it's interesting, right? I'm going to keep reading here. He's taking us right to the end with a description of this seventh trumpet judge. But look what chapter we're on. Chapter 11. When does Jesus return? Chapter 19. There's a lot of real estate in Revelation that still needs to unfold. So what's happening? Well, i got to tell you, there's a lot of parentheticals. We're going to be introduced to a lot of different personages that come on the scene. And I want to tell you this, in that seventh trumpet judgment, even though that's the end, just like the seventh seal is the end, what's in that seventh trumpet? Seven bowls of judgment. Okay, so I want to give you kind of a telescopic view because as we understand how this unfolds, macroscopically, we're going to be able to understand microscopically these individual chapters. Okay? Now I gave this an example, and uh, I don't know if it's a good example, but hopefully this helps you out. You know, perhaps, um, you know, if you manage uh, a project, right? You know, usually when you manage a project and your boss gives you something to do, right? And he gives you, hopefully, he's not trying to microscopic, uh, micromanage you, right? He gives you a, a uh, something to do, right? And he allows you to come up with how to do it, right? So you think about it as a project manager, right? You take what the goal is, right? And then you begin to scope out what that plan is. But as you scope out what the plan is, right? Then you start to divvy out the parts. I kind of think about it as programming. For those of you who do programming, right? Sometimes the Lord, uh, sometimes your boss will give you, right, some, some project, right? He gives you some parameters he's going to give you. You feed those parameters in your program, right? And then your program has to spit out some parameters, but in between that, you have to get from one to the other. So what do you do? You do a plan. And then you start to do subroutines for that plan, right? You've got to divvy out these different subroutines, these different functions, right? And so as you do that, right, you're putting together the parts. But those parts have to fit in the whole, don't they? Just like when you manage a project, right? You divvy out, right, to different project managers, but those things have to all fit in the project as a whole. It's like that with Revelation, right? We want to get the macroscopic view and as we understand it, how do we get to Christ's second coming through these judgments, right? But we have to understand how that works for us to understand the parts. Because I got to tell you people, if you start to read from chapter 10 all the way to chapter 19, if you don't know how it's all going to fit together, you're going to get confused. I guarantee you. You can get bogged down in all the parts. And that's what people do. They read about all these different personages and they get all confused and they give up. Well, these personages, they don't move the narrative. It's the judgments that move the narrative, but he gives us parentheticals, and he gives us insight to these personages, what they're doing in the tribulation. Okay, so that's what we're doing here. So let's keep reading. Verse 13 of chapter, uh, verse 18 of chapter uh, 11 says, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and, they, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints. Okay, so we're looking, there's going to be a time of judgment and a time of reward. We know that that's when Jesus comes again. So he's taking us 
right to the end here. Okay? And he says, And those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Verse 19, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Okay, so this is a reference to the seventh trumpet. It's after this second parenthetical, right, of this mighty angel and his little scroll and the two witnesses. But then we see the seventh trumpet, which is basically takes us to the end. The seven trumpet judgments are in the seventh seal of judgment. But then notice, we're still in chapter 11. Jesus doesn't return to chapter 19. What happens in all that real estate of Scripture? Well, what happens is more parentheticals. There's going to be a large parenthetical from chapter 12 through chapter 14. Some six, seven, six or seven persons are going to be introduced. Does that move the narrative to Jesus' return? No, not necessarily. It tells us more about these personages that come on the scene. And then when you finally get to chapter 15, we see the seventh trumpet being referred to. And what we see is that there's seven bowls of judgment in the seven trumpet judgment. And those bowls of judgment take us to the return of Christ. Okay, so that's how Revelation is put together. When we understand that, it's going to give us a better understanding of these parts. Okay, so the part that we're in now is this second parenthetical, and it begins with this mighty angel with this small scroll. Okay, so I'm going to give you some references. You can take notes. This is more the macroscopic on these parentheticals, okay? So as I mentioned, Revelation 10, the mighty angel with the little scroll. And then we have Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. That's still part of the second parenthetical. We have the two witnesses before the temple. And then we have a reference to the seventh trumpet judgment in Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19, which we just read. But we read that, and that takes us to the end. But before that seventh trumpet judgment is actually blown, we have another major parenthetical, Revelation 12, 13, and 14. Revelation 12 gives us the parenthetical personages of the woman clothed with the sun. Who do you think that is? I think it's Israel. We'll talk about that. We also have a reference to the dragon. Who's the red dragon? Must be Satan, right? We're going to see that. This is red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. Also in chapter 12, we see a reference to a male child. Who do you think that is? Jesus. Good. We'll see it. We also see in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12, reference to Michael the archangel who cast Satan out of heaven. Now, we, also, we already cross-referenced to that. Remember when the... Um, uh, six, uh, fifth trumpet judgment, the first wall. Remember when Satan, when it says that, I saw a star fallen, right? And we noted that that was Satan. We went here to Revelation 12, this parenthetical to get data on that. Remember Satan, he's confined to this earth, cast out of heaven, and he's given the keys to the abyss, and they, he lets out these, um, this demonic realm that stings, right? Torments people. We cross-reference to this parenthetical to get more details on that personages, which is Satan, okay? But then Revelation 12 also covers the woman's offspring, which is Israel, who was persecuted by Satan. 
Revelation 13 is a part of that third major parenthetical, which is the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the earth. Who do you think that is? The beast out of the sea is Antichrist, I believe. The beast out of the earth is the false prophet. And then Revelation 14 gives, concludes that third parenthetical and it gives another reference to the 144,000 Jews, but as they follow the Lamb. Okay, so after that, then we see reference to the seventh trumpet actually being blown, which is the seven bowls of judgment in Revelation 15 and 16. Okay, and that's going to take us to the end. So I'm giving you, again, this telescopic view, right? So we know, right, how all these parts fit in. What moves the narrative to the second coming of Christ are the judgments. But when we see description of all these different personages, right, don't get bogged down and there's just information on what they're doing in the tribulation period. But they don't necessarily move the chronology. Okay? Very important for us to understand. As we understand this whole, we'll understand the parts much better. Thanks again for joining us in our podcast of Calvary Chapel Agua Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopart.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.